is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 456, recorded Tuesday, October the 22nd, 2019. Uh, it feels good to be back at home and in the Talking Dead studios, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It does. After being away for five days and being in the, having to work and eat out every night and st- stuff like that, it is good to be home and good to be recording in my Comfortable, familiar desk chair in front of my comfortable, familiar recording setup. Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. It is good. Anyway, so uh, Jason, do you yeah. do you see that new Star Wars trailer? I did not. Oh, really? Seen, no, I haven't seen the new Star Wars trailer. Yeah, it's a very busy day for me. Mm-hmm. I assume. We, well, it came out yesterday, right? Last night. Yeah, you know, I I heard about that, and then uh, somebody reminded me about some election. In Canada, what was that all about? Yeah, there was a big election yeah. yesterday. It was a big day. So the Star Wars trailer came out, and there was, you know, by the way, there was also a, a major election. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a, it was a big night last night. All those things, those things were happening. Uh, I I paid attention to both, and uh, and I've watched the trailer like four or five times now. But I won't okay, talk well, about it. You anymore. are four or five times up on me. I haven't even seen the trailer. In fact, I bought tickets for the movie already. So there you oh, go. Well, that that's I. You know, I should do that, uh, only so that I don't inadvertently encounter spoilers. Right. You know, because I, I tend to surf Reddit on a regular basis, and those fuckers just will spoil anything uh, without telling you. Like, <laughs> not even in, not even in like, uh, obvious ways. They'll just subtly say, you know, show something or say something that inadvertently spoils, uh, you know, everything. Mm. So... In order to, I either have to, you know, really avoid the internet, which is possible, uh, or go see it on opening weekend, which I think I have to go see it on opening weekend. Well, I think you do. It's the ninth film in the Skywalker saga. You don't want to wait too long. I bought tickets for 6 p.m. on Thursday, uh, December 19th, which is the, (laughs) you know, the day before opening day. So first, first screening. That I could get Pause in. the podcast. <laughs> Gonna buy tickets. No, you can <laughs> no, do it after. <laughs> remind me after afterwards that I, I should go buy tickets for that Thursday and take the day off. Oh, yeah, that is a great idea. Okay. Anyways, so that's the Star Wars trailer. We will talk about that movie after it is released in theaters. I'm sure that'll be something fun we do over the hiatus, like New Year's hiatus. That'll be great. Great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What we're actually here to do, of course, is talk about the most recent episode of The Walking Dead, and that would be Season 10, Episode 3. Ghosts. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Lee and St. Catharines, for that title read. You made ghosts sound very peculiar. Sp- spooky. I don't know how spooky it was, but definitely uh, I peculiar. I was spooked on it. It did raise the hair on the back of my neck. Oh, good. Well, there you go. Uh, thanks, Lee, for that one. Now, I want to bring something up here briefly before we really get into this one, and that is that there are two versions of this episode floating around out there. One is the regular version, and the other is the extended version. So, what's going on, you may ask? Uh, What's going on, may I ask? I'll tell you what's going on. And that is that AMC has been releasing 
Walking Dead episodes a couple of nights early on uh, their streaming service, which I believe is called AMC Premiere. I don't remember now. Anyways, but it comes out on Friday nights at 9 p.m. on their streaming service. And for whatever reason, this week they released, and I believe this is the first time they've done this. If it's not, someone correct me, but I feel like I would have heard about it. But what they did this week is they released the regular um, sort of broadcast version of it and then an extended one with five or six or maybe not that much, four minutes of extra footage. So extra scenes in the episode. Okay. And I didn't know, since I generally watch this uh, from iTunes, I didn't know what we were going to get on iTunes, and it turns out we got the regular one, from what I understand. Oh, okay. So we will not be recapping the extended version, and in fact, I have not seen the extended version. Oh, I was hoping you would have seen it and I hadn't. No, I'm sorry. I'll... I'll do what I can. To, I mean, to, the episode is 46 minutes. It's a little longer, right? It's usually 44 minutes or 42 minutes. Well, you say usually, but I feel like these days, usually they're extended by a minute or two anyways. Okay. So I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I will try to see it at least just for no other reason than I'm a little bit of a completist and I want to see the whole thing. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know what they're doing. They're just, AMC's messing with us at this point and just having a good time, I think. So I wish they would just release one definitive version of it, or if they're going to put an extended one out there, I don't know, make it available for purchase or freaking give it away for all I care, but uh, make it available to me somehow, which would be nice. Uh, that would be nice. You know, uh, iTunes, they usually release extra crap, right? Like the uh, before the season starts or it's pre-start last season recap or, yeah. uh, you know, promos for whatever. I mean, they could release just the deleted scenes, not the deleted scenes, but the extra scenes, Yep. you know, but throw out a four minute thing and just say, well, this scene goes here and this scene goes here. But is it really worth it in the end? Because after watching this episode, uh, you know, basically we would get additional scenes of episodes right just yeah. various things that uh would it be, would it just be more psychedelic crap or would it be actual content with uh, like there's no plot points going to be in those scenes right well that's what bothers me a little bit i mean if there are if there's important stuff in there why isn't it in the episode anyways right are they are they trying to fit the episode into a more standard hour-long time slot because they've already failed at that they're going over by minutes here or there almost every week so what is the point? Is it exclusive content for subscribers to their streaming service? That's probably what it is. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Carol died in those extra four minutes. <laughs> right. And, and we'll never know. No, we will <laughs> never know until next week when she's just gone. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Anyways, it kind of annoys me, uh, but partly I understand that's just because I want to see it and they make it hard for me. Anyhow, let's get into this episode. It was written by a guy named Jim Barnes, directed by a guy named David Boyd. Now, David Boyd is interesting because he's primarily been a director of photography on The Walking Dead, but also, funnily enough, on every episode of Firefly. Oh, nice. So that guy knows what he's doing, I feel like. But here he is directing The Walking Dead. Cool. So to begin the recap... We start the episode with another title card. Man, they love the title cards this season, eh? I'm I'm going to print up some title cards for life. 
It's a good idea. You know, we wake up in the morning and show the title card to my wife. Hour one. (laughs) (laughs) You guys won't even have to talk anymore. Just have title cards for everything. (laughs) Yeah, hold up another title card. Pooping. (laughs) Eating breakfast. (laughs) That's right. Uh, So our first title card is 6 a.m. hour one. And we begin with a a shot of Alexandria, a shot of the windmill at 6 a.m. in the morning. We cut into Carol's bedroom. Her alarm goes off. She wakes up and takes some kind of pill. So by alarm, we mean like an egg timer. Yeah, an old manual bell ringing alarm. Yeah. So she sleeps a maximum of one hour at at a time. That's right, I guess, because you can't, uh, well, unless she's using that thing to remind her to take this pill, whatever it is. Yeah, every hour? Yeah. Like, that. the thing, like, I looked at the dial, it only goes up to an hour. If she cranks it all the way, that's it. She gets to sleep for an hour. I don't feel like that's enough. It really isn't. And she sleeps on top of her bedding and with her gloves on, all of her clothes and gloves. Well, listen, as the episode goes on, we are given the information that she's not really sleeping much at all, right? It's affecting her in negative ways, but so maybe, you know, that's why she's fully dressed and have, has gloves on because she isn't really sleeping. Like maybe she's been up all night already. Well, I assume that that's what has been happening. Yeah. But, um, I, I have a problem. I'm going to bring it up now just so we can get it out of the way. Sure. Uh, this could have been part of the uh, last episode. Like, we didn't just have to have Carol's uh, whole issue with the pills and not sleeping and the flashbacks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for me, it just came out of nowhere in this episode. Was mm. it hinted at in the last, well, not the last episode, because that was all about the, uh, the, the whispers, but the one before that. Like, she said she's been taking the pills since she got back, and she spent a lovely day with Daryl when she got back. Right? She they were did, joking yeah. around. They were pretty happy. So it just, it felt like this whole thing came out of nowhere. Well, I didn't really have that feeling. I'm not sure I agree. Like she came off the boat and he did make a comment in this episode that she hasn't been sort of herself since she returned on the boat. So I feel like she got off the boat, had the first like, you know, 12 hours, whatever it is, 24 hours with Daryl. Everything seemed perfectly fine. And she didn't have her post boat <laughs> insomnia or, or whatever's going on. Yeah. Her post boat bout. Yeah, that's right. And so I, it doesn't really bother me that they didn't get into it in that episode. I agree. Maybe they could have shown her popping a pill or something just as a, yeah. a little foreshadowing to what's coming, but I don't feel like it's, it's, it's new definitely, but it didn't bother me that it came out of nowhere. This is just the first we are seeing it. And that, I think works okay for me, especially if it pays off or continues down the road a little bit. And I think it will. I think we may have seen her pop a pill. In that episode? In the first one? Well, so and I think somebody needs to write in and let me know, because I don't know right now, because I'd have to go back and, well, if you want to wait, I'll, I'll just go back and rewatch the pilot. Well, Not we the can pilot, always, the premiere. we can always uh, get caught up later in the week if you want to. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to, I'm going to put a pin in this because okay. I'm not sure anymore. So right. we can move on. I'm well, glad either, I got it out of the way early. Yeah, either way, it didn't bother me. But so anyways, we're we're watching Carol get up outside um, early in the morning. Some walkers approach uh, Laura and Gage. If you remember him, they go kill them. And at first it seems like no big deal, you know, but 
and they're joking around a little bit. And then many more walkers start showing up. And during the cold open, we get lots more title cards and they start coming fast and furious. And what they're doing is giving us how much time has passed and showing us what happened. So I'm not going to list them all, but we do get four hours in and we see Aaron looking pretty serious with a group of people. 11 hours in, Aaron and the group have killed all the walkers that were showing up. Uh, although Aaron gets one on top of him and he's almost overwhelmed by it. Uh, 13 hours in, that group returns to Alexandria. People are starting to look really, really tired. And they quickly realize that wave after wave of walkers keep coming and they figure it must be Alpha sending them. Well, they're coming from that direction they mentioned, that they're coming from the uh, the border. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, but wouldn't, uh, they say later, like later on, spoiler alert, the, uh, uh, the, the whisperers say that they didn't send them, right? They uh, do. That it wasn't them, but it comes from their direction. But wouldn't the whisperers send a, a herd all at once instead of uh, these small waves and, uh, you know, piecemeal? Well, they sort of get into that later on, right? Not only does... Alpha, when she, not Alpha, uh, Gamma, when she shows up, say, it's not us. But even Lydia, when they ask her about it, says, it's not her. Like, it's not my mother. She would send the horde. Yeah. Um, but, but they speculate that maybe they're just trying to wear them down, which I think would be a good strategy on their behalf and probably a good assumption. Yeah. It worked in Battlestar Galactica. Uh, sure. And, it, and the ep- that episode 33, where they, you know, the silence kept coming every 33 minutes. Uh-huh. And it was the it was the first episode after the uh, the miniseries, the original miniseries. Okay, it's been yeah. a while. <laughs> and the one right before we found out that Boomer is a Cylon. Right, of course, of course we did. Yeah. Um, but I I do think it would be a good strategy. Like if you have tens of thousands of walkers, why not send fifty at a time every half an hour? I mean, you're going to eventually people are just going to have to to give up or be too tired to continue. Right. Yeah. It's a pretty good yeah. strategy. Yeah. And I'm sure that many, uh, many, you know, admirals and, uh, generals have done this in the past. Just send wave after wave all hours of day and night, you know, uh, mortar shells or howitzers or, you know, whatever they can do to, mm-hmm. you know, Harris, har- harass, Harris, Harry, Harry, har- harass the enemy. <laughs> Yes, uh, that's right. Anyways, we see them killing them. It's nighttime now. They're killing the walkers through the fences of Alexandria. Nearly everybody in the town is involved, I think. They keep it up for 24 hours, Keep keeps going. Um, eventually, we get a scene where Michonne goes into Judith's room, and Judith wants to know if it's safe and that can she go to sleep now. Uh, but before... She can answer before Michonne can answer. She gets called on the radio and I guess she runs out to the lookout point on the windmill because she starts looking around and she sees large groups of walkers coming from the north and the south. Yeah. So she's, she goes in and RJ is sleeping, right? And it's, I always find it hilarious when toddlers pretend to sleep. <laughs> on TV? <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Like just like, okay, pretend to sleep now. And their eyes and eyes are moving. They can't. Like it's funny. I find it hilarious. Sure. Yeah. Well, he was doing an okay job. I'm just lying there. He was there. doing pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he was like literally covered in blankets and all you could see was his face, but, uh, I, I found it amusing. Well, that's all right. That sounds like a nice, comfy, cozy way to sleep. Yeah. 
Uh, Bill in New Jersey wrote in, holy crap, guys, tonight's cold open covered 49 hours in about three minutes. Contrast this to Gimple, who took a full half season to cover this amount of time when the Horde attacked Alexandria in the front half of season six. (laughs) Yep. Well, they're better at it now. They're way better at it now. We can just gloss over that shit. Well, they are. And Angela Kang is just way better at time passage, I think. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Thousands of zombies dead. Well, I guess so. But I feel like we saw enough of what was going on to really hammer home what was happening here and the fatigue that everyone was feeling. Yeah. I would, yeah. I agree. I think I she agree. did a good job. So yeah, after the good, open, job. good job, after the opening credits, uh, we come back and they're piling up bodies. Eugene says that the next waves are due in one to two hours, I think, and they'll be fighting into the night again. So there's, you know, no rest coming. Daryl says he comes up and he says that they can't push people much more. And Michonne initially snaps back at him, but, and says she has eyes, like she can see what's going on, but she immediately realizes her mistake and apologizes to him. Yeah. Right. She's just under stress as well. This is where Gamma approaches. And she tells to tells them to meet them at the north border. She says, go to the border, drop your weapons, and wait for Alpha. And as I said, she claims that the walkers aren't sent by them. But, I mean, let's be honest. Everybody knows they are, right? Is there any question, really, about this? Well, that that's my problem, is I think that I do have a question. I think that uh, I think that they're right in that the uh, the whispers didn't send these because I don't think they would send them piecemeal like this. I really think that they would just send an entire horde. Why send uh, smaller groups like waste the zombies in smaller groups, knowing that they'd be cut down? Uh, you know, even though it would force them to be tired. But if you have ten thousand zombies, why not send them all and see if you can overrun the overrun the town? Or maybe that's not the point. Right. Okay. Yeah. So let's, if we can assume that the point is to get them to go to the border and negotiate from a position of exhaustion, then that could be the plan. I, I think that's probably what it is. I mean, if she just showed up and said, go to the border, we want to talk, they have way less, uh, like impetus to go do that. Right. Yeah. They, they, they'll be standing, Michonne and everyone will be standing around going, why should we? We're fine here. We're, we're not bothering you. Leave us alone. So, but the, but the, the zombies and the, these wave after wave of zombies that are coming through, they're like, okay, if we don't go, they're just going to keep doing this and we can't hold this off forever. Right. So we better go and talk to them and find out what they want. I think it makes a lot of sense. Actually, if, if their goal is to push them to this negotiation at the border. It does. And I, I'm sensing a pattern here that every opinion I have so far in this uh, episode, I'm going to talk myself out of by the end of my sentence. <laughs> All right. Well, that's pretty quick for the uh, opinion uh, yeah. flip-flop. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, like I said, consistency is the refuge of the weak-minded. So I'm just going to talk myself out of every single uh, opinionated statement that I have. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. M- maybe. I mean, I might not. Yeah. You never know. Uh, now before they go, we have a town meeting. So there's a large group of Alexandrians together to discuss what to do. People are clearly getting upset. They're getting rowdy. And Lydia claims that this probably isn't Alpha doing this because she'd send the whole horde, uh, which is just planting that seed of doubt in there a little bit for people of like, is it her? Is it not? But I still think it is. Uh, Margot speaks up and I'll be honest, I had to look 
her name up. I wasn't sure who that was at first, but she's a former member of the Highwaymen, and she's really upset and says, you know, all my Highwaymen friends are dead and we want justice. We can't just stand around and do what the Whisperers want. But she didn't have an outfit. Like all the Highwaymen had, uh, you know, some kind of pomp and circumstance outfit. Some kind. We had a cowboy and yeah. a, a rebel soldier kind of thing. Uh, so anyway, I guess she shed her outfit after that, a while. She got kind of, kind of indoctrinated into the town. That's what I'm thinking. She, she just doesn't need it anymore. She's yeah. part of Alexandria now. I, I don't need to be a construction worker. I could just be a townsperson. There you go. I can be background townsperson until she I needed line. to get upset. Right. Yeah. She had a line. Everything's fine. Yeah. She, she had, had a, just background. More, more than one line. Well, she was yeah. background until now. <laughs> right. I see. There you go. Um, Sadiq at this point is getting, seems to get upset. It looks like he has chest pain. So he gets up to leave. He needs some air. And Michonne asks Daryl how many walkers he saw in Alpha's Horde. And he says tens of thousands. So the ones that they've sent so far is just a fraction of what they've got walking around somewhere. Yeah. I love that term, a fraction. I was just thinking of that. It's like, oh, it's just a fraction of the total. Well, what's the fraction? Three? Well, you that's, see, that's a fraction. Uh, yes, but what, what's your point? <laughs> it's used in a non-specific way to indicate a small bit of a grand total. <laughs> Not necessarily, and I think that's my point, is that uh, a fraction could be anywhere from uh, a minuscule amount to a multiple of the whole. You know, in common parlance... Is that a word? <laughs> yeah, parlance. That's the yeah. parlance. Uh, yeah. When someone says a fraction of something, they generally mean a small portion. Yeah. You see, I'm looking at it from a mathematical point of view, not from a linguistic point of view. If I said there's a small fraction of zombies of the greater whole, would that feel better to you? Uh, part part of their total horde. Okay. Yes, but if they have tens of thousands of them, uh, then uh, yeah, sending just this small group is just a negotiating tactic. Right. And Michonne says they'd have no way to defend against the whole horde if they sent. So all they want to do is talk. We should go and talk. Uh, but she also says we have no chance of getting through this if we don't act as one. Yeah. Live together, die alone. Live together, die alone. Now, as they leave, or as everyone is dispersing and leaving, uh, Daryl says to Michonne, he would have liked that. And I guess he's referring to Rick. Hmm. So they decide to send out three groups. We've got Aaron and some troops to deal with the Southern Walkers. We've got Father Gabe, who will guard the gate from the Northern Wave. And then we've got Michonne, Daryl, Carol, and a few others who will go to the border. And while we're getting a mini montage of the preparation for this, we do get a pretty cool shot of Aaron changing his stump from a hand to a mace. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, spiked mace. It's awesome. It was pretty good. Now we see that Carol goes back to her room and she sneaks a pistol from under her bed, puts it in her pants, and then she takes another pill. Yeah. Pill time. Pill time. All right. Before a commercial break, we get a scene with Gabe, Father Gabe, convincing Aaron to take Negan along. Uh, Negan doesn't want to go and Aaron doesn't want to take him. And, but Gabe insists that he go with him. He says, you know, you need fighters. He can fight. It's perfect match made in heaven. Um, but Negan's argument for not wanting to go, I thought was, was a really good one. To be honest, he says that people are all amped up and they're, you know, there's, there's not a lot of rational thinking going on right now. And he doesn't want 
to be the victim of somebody who's taken out their hateful vibe, as he says, on him. Yeah, he's also been standing around for a number of years, and he might not be in as good a fighting shape as he once was. That's true, but they make a point of saying that he he can fight. And yes, he's been in a cell for a long time, but recently he's been out tending crops and burying corpses, as he says. So he's been doing things. I don't think he's completely without, you know, the ability to swing an axe or something. Right. And I guess it's like riding a bike, you know, killing zombies and people and stuff. You never truly forget how to do it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if we'd learned anything from uh, Daniel on uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. Yeah. uh, You never forget how to be a torturer. You just uh, turn it into barbary skills. (laughs) You can shave people and cut their hair. I think he was a barber and a torturer at maybe the same time. One fed the other. No doubt. Oh, you, you, okay. So you think uh, they're complementary skill sets? I I think they might be, yeah. Okay. They have no sharp objects. Yeah. I mean, not quite as much as barber, I mean, as torturing and dentistry. Those, those are very complementary, I'd say. (laughs) Yeah. I don't really have a problem with the dentist. No offense to any dentists out there, but man. (laughs) Yeah. I've, with my high pain threshold, it doesn't bother me. Well. I'm one of those people that actually, getting my teeth cleaned. I actually uh, hate going to the eye doctor more than the dentist. And that's unusual. Really? Why? Oh, I'm super sensitive about my eyes. I just can't deal with people touching my eyes or looking in my eyes or like drops in my eyes. Forget it. Oh my God. <laughs> I want to get laser eye surgery, but A, I don't want to, you know. Man, they'd be it. putting lasers in your eyes. That's the worst thing I can think of. They cut your eyeball and yeah do some stuff that freaks the shit yeah, they, out of me well, they got they got they got to peel it back a little bit they can't just laser your eye they got to like cut, <sighs> slice it and then peel it back and then zap you zap you zap you and then put it put the flap back yeah. hopefully people hopefully it doesn't tear off it's like shit i dropped it nobody can and then, see me and then but you I'm, can't see for anything anymore nobody can see me but i'm cringing greatly right now because that just sounds horrible you don't want to get laser eye surgery why well, would you want that? I mean, no, I don't, but I I would like my eyes to be fixed, but. Nah, wear glasses. It's part of being a cyborg. Well, not really. Small, there, a very small part. Listen, we need to move on, but there are activities I do in life that wearing glasses for are annoying, and I would rather not have to do that. So I Showering. would like to have laser eye surgery so I didn't have to wear them all the time <laughs> or at, ever. No, not in the shower. Playing sports, you moron. Oh, <laughs> Or maybe in the hot tub when you're underwater trying to look at people. That, that's a whole different problem. <laughs> that's my hobby. That's not, that's something different. Right. Or is that what you call sports? I got special <laughs> goggles for that after all. Oh, that's smart. That's yeah. very smart. Thanks. Okay, good. All right. Can I, uh, where are we? I think we. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? The train is well off the tracks at this point. Um. Aaron does not want to take Negan, but Gabe insists, and we go to a commercial break. We come back, and Aaron and Negan are out fighting walkers. Yeah, that's a that. It, there's a trope, right, where you say, I, "I will absolutely never ever do that," and then you cut to them doing that. Except that what this tells me is that Father Gabe is basically in charge because he says, "You take him." There's end of discussion, right? So Aaron doesn't have the ability to make that choice himself. Gabe does. Oh, well, maybe he's just convincing. It could be that, but it kind of felt like Father Gabe had the, outranked him, basically. Right. Or maybe uh, Negan saying that I don't want to be the victim of somebody taking out their aggression on me because everybody's amped up 
gave Aaron the idea to do exactly that while they're out and alone. It's a good point. It's a very good yeah. point. Hey, Negan, that's a great idea. You've convinced me. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> let's go. Let's go for a walk. Yeah. So they're killing walkers. They they both kill a few. Then Negan finds a big old crowbar. He goes to use it instead of his broomstick, which he <laughs> is using. Uh, but Aaron won't let him. And Negan claims that he's not that guy anymore and that he is actually trying to make things better. But of course, Aaron wants none of it and just tells him to go back to the killing with the broomstick. Yeah. No good weapons for you, Mr. Negan. Well, exactly. Except that that's exactly the weapon that uh, Morgan uses and he's, everybody's fine with that. It's an effective weapon. Uh, yeah, I suppose. If, if you Pointy know how to stick. use it, if you know how to use it right. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure Negan does. So yeah, there's nothing, uh, you know, it's a poor carpenter that blames his tools. Mm. So it's a poor, you know, murdering psychopath that blames his killing stick. It blames the broomstick. Okay. Fair point. I, I, I do still think a crowbar is similar and maybe even a little more effective, but it's just me. Well, I mean, the crowbar is the baseline weapon in uh, video games, right? Yeah. Like the, what you start off with is uh, is the crowbar. What game am I I'm thinking of? Half-Life. Half-Life. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, so that's what you start off with. He's got, you know, lower than baseline weapon. And then he finds a baseline weapon. So that's, uh, you know, this is, this is the thing that you start off with when you spawn into the world. Why can't I have that? Because it's made of metal. You're not allowed to have anything made of metal. You are not. Yeah. I'm pretty much made of metal and that's fine, but you can't use metal. Oh yeah. Good point. Uh, we do see Aaron, I think here in this scene, just punch that mace right through a zombie's head and it looked awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no denying that. <laughs> All right. So we cut over to the Pike border at night. Everybody arrives. They drop their weapons. Daryl goes over to Carol to see if she's okay because she sees one of those H um, pogs, I call them, yeah. on the ground. Yeah. And we, the audience, see that she's got that pistol hidden in her pants and everybody else. And they were instructed to drop their weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut back to Alexandria and Eugene and Rosita are killing walkers at the fence. She thanks him for coming with her and he says he could go all night. And I, I think this was a joke about having a lot of stamina, Jason. Well, of course it is. Okay, fair. <laughs> I mean, it was either that or a ripoff of Captain America's I could do this all day. Yeah, I don't think it was that. I think it was, I think when you factor this into the scene later on between these two, it was a... I could go all night kind of right. comment. Yeah. So. You're, you're, you're doing fine. Imagine if this was sex. <laughs> <laughs> right. Imagine. <laughs> there you go. So back at the border, Alpha and a load of walkers approach. She takes her mask off and steps forward and a few of the other ones draw some weapons. And she talks about the rule not to cross the borders. But Daryl mentions the fire, and Alpha says it's fire's nature to burn, and they have no beef with nature. Yeah, we... except it was caused by a satellite, and that's pretty unnatural. Well, yeah, it was. But once the fire's burning, she's like, just, you know, it's going to burn, let it burn. It's no excuse to cross our border. There's nothing wrong with that. That's actually a good policy. You know that whole Smokey the Bear, only you can prevent forest fires? Yeah. That fucked up shit for a long time. Because forest fires are, um, 
are important natural. to and natural, yeah, to the yeah. regeneration of forests, right? So what would happen is that uh, you know uh, periodic forest fires or periodic fires would burn out the underbrush, allowing room for more shit to grow, mm-hmm. right? And the fires would be small enough that they wouldn't catch the larger trees on fire. But then they had this whole smoke of the bear. Only you can prevent forest fires. It actually reduced the number of forest fires greatly allowing the underbrush to get really, really thick and grow a lot. And then when a fire did happen, the fire would be so big, it would burn down the big trees as well. So it would right. wipe out whole swaths of, uh, uh, of forest. Right. So they just let forest fires burn. Like they, they make sure like nobody's in danger or anything like that. But if a forest fire starts, they don't try to put it out. They just go, yeah, okay, fine. Well, sure. But as usual, humans are screwing everything up, right? We Even we, when we're trying to help. That's right. Even Yeah, exactly. We try to prevent forest fires, then there aren't enough, and then the ones that do happen are too big. Uh, but then forest fires start to impact our civilization, our buildings or whatever. So we're like, oh my God, what are we going to do now? Yeah. It's Everything's our fault. Yeah. So Alpha's not wrong here. You know, it's no. in fire's nature to burn every once in a while, even if it's caused by a satellite. You got to let her go. You should let it, let her burn. Yeah. But they would have an impact on their, you know, their uh, hunting grounds and uh, a community and stuff like that. That's when you fight forest fires is when they're coming at you and they're going to burn your town down. Mm-hmm. You go, uh, I draw the line there. I'm going to try and fight that fire back. I can't just let it burn down the whole town. No, no, you can't do that. But that's the, that's the trade-off here. Uh, so anyways, Michonne claims that they crossed the border one time. But Alpha says, no, 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 you crossed three times. And she says the fire, the snowstorm last season. Yep. And in episode one of season 10, when Aaron and her were searching and Michonne were searching along the river. So Alpha says the whispers are always watching. They have to be punished, but there will be no bloodshed this time. Instead, they're going to shrink their borders in and uh, make them even tighter around the communities, I guess. I guess so. I mean, I, yeah, I guess if they're always watching, they must have uh, a lot of people that just spend a lot of time watching the borders. Yeah, I think so. Just scouting around the area, they're always watching. It's yeah. Pr- pretty scary. Uh, they should now, make a deal or it's like, we won't cross into your territory if you make sure that no zombies get into ours. Right? I think I may have mentioned this last year. It's like, if they worked together, everything would just be fucking perfect. Right? The Whisperers would take their zombie herd or horde or whatever and wander around and do their thing, go do it somewhere, and just take all the zombies and uh, make sure that they, you know, they don't get into our territory. We're happy. You're happy. You know, that seems like such a simple solution. Too simple, in fact. Which is probably why they haven't done it. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Well, Carol reacts to all this by saying that cuts off our hunting ground and she calls this whole thing bullshit. Alpha wants her to look at her feet, which she doesn't. And Alpha says that Carol should fear her. And Carol replies with the classic, I don't fear you. I look at you and I feel nothing at all, which is a great line. It is good. Um, Certainly not the first time that sentiment has been expressed. Uh, but it was appropriate for this situation and appropriate coming from Carol, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's good. It was great. This kind of pisses off Alpha a bit, and she makes a comment about Henry screaming Carol's name before they cut his head off to stick on the pikes. 
That it's bullshit. Is, he would he would have said mommy or mom. Well, either way, it's pretty low, and yeah. that's like twisting the knife in the most extreme way. So Carol grabs her pistol, swings it around, takes the shot, but of course Daryl restrains her and she misses. And then Michonne steps in front and apologizes to Alpha. Um, and Alpha forgives this action mother to mother, she says, and uh, tells them that the border's moving in right now. So you better back off and run away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what did you think about Carol grabbing the gun and actually taking the shot? It was good. It would have been better if uh, Daryl was a little farther out of range and this whole goddamn thing would have been over. Well, Alpha would have been dead, I guess, and they would have had to fight off the rest of the the uh, whispers that had weapons there. That would have been unexpected. Yeah, right? it sure would have. It sure would have. Yeah, and honestly, I would have plotted that. It, well, maybe it would have been out of out of left field. That's for sure. It didn't seem like there were that many other whispers around with weapons. But to be fair, I think they were circling a herd just, you know, over in the field a little bit. We don't really know how many were in there. So there's that unknown. No, they were outside of the uh, spotlight range. Right. <laughs> because if you noticed that, you know, everything was well lit exactly where they were. And then there was a wall of darkness right around it. That's and who knows what the hell was going on. Out that's there. how the moon works in TV land, Jason. It's always shining moonlight right where you need it. Yeah. Right. And the moon hits your eye because like, that's where it's going. It's going right for your eye. Yes. Sure is. Uh, Jasper yelled at the, the other day, I forget, we were driving at night, or it might have been in the first thing in the morning, and he saw the moon, and he's like, oh, dad, the moon is following us. Oh. It's like, well, it does that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's actually, I think, a rather interesting observation on his part. Yeah. Like well, I told him it's because the moon is so far away that it, it, the, it doesn't, the angle doesn't change as we go because it, it doesn't look like it's it's moving, but... That's because it's, you know, super far away. Yeah. But I just think that's an interesting observation for a three-year-old. Yeah. He's a very smart kid. Oh, I, I know. He Sounds outsmarts like me all the time. Well, you're not that smart an adult, so. Well, that's true. <laughs> he, like, he makes deals and he's like, oh, I'm just going to do this. Okay, dad? Yeah, okay. And he makes it a compound, compound statement. So he gets, you know, two things. One thing I would agree with and one thing I wouldn't. Oh. And then he pushes the thing that I would agree with even though he knows that the thing I wouldn't agree with is tacked on there. That's okay. Kids are smart these days. Yes, he's very smart. So commercial break and we return. Michonne comes to talk to Carol. Uh, they're in the forest now somewhere. They've retreated back. And Michonne doesn't even really get a sentence out. Carol cuts her off and says, that bitch has got to die and walks yeah. off. And then Carol comes up and he says that she hasn't seemed right since she got off that boat. So. That's, that's why I'm thinking, you know, maybe the first 24 hours she was all right, but she's already started to, uh, you know, have some issues. That's uh, true. Carol's off in the forest nearby, I guess, and she sees three whisperers watching them. They run off and she takes a shot, a single shot, and chases them, but she falls down. Uh, Daryl and Michonne show up and they all go after to capture but not kill the three, three whisperers who've been watching them. Are they, are the whispers on their side of the border now? Or are they still moving the border? Like if they capture them, they're, they are capturing somebody that's in their territory. Like that's I was a little unclear. Yeah, that's a good question. It feels like the whispers are in their territory, but, um, that would make them a little hypocritical. <laughs> it would. 
but you're right. I didn't think of that. It did feel like those whispers were in their territory, you know, unless Daryl Michonne and everybody were still on their way back and they hadn't crossed back into their, you know, new territory border yet. I don't know. Yeah. Not sure. Well, it's unclear. Anyways, we cut over to Negan and Aaron fighting walkers. Uh, Negan almost gets it, but he survives by grabbing the crowbar again. So, you know, he really wants that crowbar. Um, and he and then he itches his arm. He Did does. You notice that he's got he's got a red patch on his arm that's perfectly square, and he scratches uh, he scratches at it. Yeah, which will come into play later. Uh, yes, it will actually. That's right. Um, I didn't really think much of it at the time though. I just sort of thought, oh, he scraped it on that old tractor or something that's there and it's a minor injury. Yeah. Um, Aaron's pissed with him and for, for all kinds of reasons and he wants to tie him up and take him back to town. But, uh, Negan protests and says, we can go back. That's the greatest news I've heard all day, but you're not tying me up like some prisoner. And then he goes to walk past him and Aaron trips him. He falls to the ground and, uh, you know, Negan is sort of pissed off about this, but also I think finds it a little bit hilarious that he tripped him as he walked by. Yeah. Uh, and Aaron says he doesn't give a shit about them. And if he did, uh, he'd just leave. He's, he's basically saying to Negan, if you did, you'd just leave, walk away and never come back and bother us again. Negan and him talk about that the most important thing to do the thing that you most important thing that you can do is protect what you have. It's what made Negan's people follow him. And Aaron takes this to mean that Eric, remember Eric? I do. That Eric's death was his fault in that Aaron wasn't able to protect Eric. And uh, Negan does not dispute this because that is kind of his point. Uh, but Aaron says if he failed Eric, then Negan failed his wife. Because he wasn't able to right. protect her. Mm -hmm. uh, so this gets Negan really pissed off. But before anything can come of it, a couple of walkers sneak up behind Aaron and they almost get him. He gets knocked down, but he kills them. And when he's up again, his vision is all compromised and Negan has run off. Yeah. So one of the zombies was covered in vines. Yes. Right. And so that, that zombie got vine juice in, uh, uh, in his eyes. So you couldn't see. Uh, that is, that is correct. Um, but we don't know that at the time yet. And I had no idea what was going on. I was wondering why can't he see, like, is there something in his eyes? Is there, it, did he bang his head and his vision is impacted? I, I didn't know what was going on at the time. Well, sometimes when you fall down, your eyes get, uh, your vision gets blurry for a couple hours, right? Is it? I don't know. I mean, is that because you knock your head? Well, I mean, you you lose your memory. I assume if you uh, bonk your head, you can either get amnesia or your vision goes blurry. And then you got to bonk your head again to clear everything up. Well, right. If I've learned anything from cartoons, that's how it works. Yeah. Gilligan's <laughs> Island. That works there too. <laughs> of course. Yes. So commercial break. Um, we are back with Michonne. They haven't found anything or anybody in the forest. She questions Carol if Carol was sure. She saw something, and of course she says she was. And then Carol takes another pill, and when questioned about the pill taking, she says they're like coffee, and is visibly annoyed by the whole question. Well, that's what an addict would say, right? Right. It would minimize minimize the uh, what they're doing, and then uh, get pissed off to uh, 
resist any additional questions. Right, exactly. But I, I do think these are, this is revealed to us that these are just supposed to be like maybe caffeine pills to keep you up and give you a little more energy, right? Well, they're uppers. I don't know what they are exactly. Yeah. Just the fact that she compared them to coffee, I feel like is probably just an indicator of what they are. But yeah, you're right. We don't know exactly other than the fact they're keeping her awake. Yeah. I would take coffee in pill form, except that I find coffee delicious. So I wouldn't want to just take a pill. It's like taking a steak pill. Like if they ever invented a steak pill, like they do in sci-fi movies and TVs, like, oh, I want a steak. And then you grab a pill and you go and you swallow it. I mean, sure, it gives you the nutrients of having a full meal, but it's just a pill. I'd rather eat a steak than sure. a steak pill. Yeah. And, and it's the same with coffee. I would rather t- drink a coffee than take a caffeine pill. Uh, I'll, yeah, to be honest, I would too. And I don't even really like coffee. So uh, I, I understand your point though. But I don't, I'm not entirely sure that these are just caffeine pills or pet pills of some kind. They're some kind of stimulant that uh, is unclassified Mm -hmm. for dramatic purposes. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, they go looking for somewhere that they can get some sleep, and they come to a big building on the side of the wall. It says Barnett Academy, home of the Fighting Foxhounds. Fighting Foxhounds. I really liked the logo of the dog, the Foxhound dog on the building. I thought it looked really awesome. So I tried to look this place up, Jason, but I don't believe the Barnett Academy actually exists. But if anyone's out there and knows that it's a real place, let me know. However, I did come across information about Sarah Barnett, spelled exactly the same way, who is the president of Entertainment Networks at AMC. Oh, yeah. And her previous job was with Fox Entertainment as president of entertainment. (laughs) So I feel like this Barnett Academy is just kind of an Easter egg in her honor. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's good. I knew a Tom Barnett that was uh, a close-up magician, amongst many other things, including he he worked at Medieval Times as one of those knights. Oh, cool. And and he used to wrestle alligators and uh, all kinds of other stuff, but he was a fantastic close-up musician, magician. Close-up musician close up is musician. different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He plays harmonica right in your face, and it's, and it's awesome for about twenty seconds, <laughs> yeah. and then you just want to punch him. Well, it's the same thing with close-up magic. It's it's exactly the same thing when you have somebody walking around and they come up and walk walk up to you and they start doing close-up magic. It's awesome for about twenty seconds, and then it just kind of feels awkward, and you want to kind of leave. I suppose. Yeah, I could see that being the case. Yeah. Um. Anyways. They approach this building slowly and cautiously to check if it's clear. As they enter, they see a weird clock on the wall with no hands. Uh-huh. Turns out the uh, turns out the place is empty, so they decide to spend the night. And as they're searching, Carol finds an old home economics textbook on the floor. Uh, she looks at the picture of a happy-looking family on the cover, sitting around a breakfast table. Uh, She looks away, and when she looks back, all the people in this picture have been replaced with Carol, sort of as the mother standing there with short Carol hair back from season one. Uh And the kids sitting around the table are Lizzie, Mika, Sophia, and Henry, and they all have their throats slit. I want want a framed picture of this. It's pretty sweet. Signed. I want this, I want this framed and signed and mounted on my wall. I think it'd be fantastic. Signed by Melissa McBride, at least? Oh, yeah. 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 
That's fantastic, actually. That would be really cool to have. I, I don't deny it. I wonder if they're going to make prints of this thing for people to buy and maybe get signed at a con or something. That would be, that's a great idea. Well, I might, you know, if uh, ever I go to a con that she's at, I might uh, take a screen cap, print it, and bring it for her to sign. Yeah, that's a that's a well, fantastic do they, idea. Do they sign your shit, or they yep. only sign their own shit? No, nope, they'll sign your shit. You still have to okay, pay good. the autograph fee, but yeah. Okay, that's, that's good. A- so I, I get I I I'd, I'd print this out to get signed. Oh, that'd totally. be awesome. Well, Happy Jack in Victoria, BC, wrote, "Holy crap! Did you see all the kids who died on Carol's watch pictured on the cover of the book in her altered state of delusion?" And of course we did, and it was an awesome scene. And now I want an autographed version of that too. <laughs> yeah, and a big stack of pancakes. Oh yeah, big stack of pancakes. <laughs> I love a good big. An stack unrealistic of stack of pancakes, like that was one massive stack of pancakes with a pat of butter on top. It uh, it looked like a lot of food, but delicious. Well, they're gonna pass that around to all the kids with their throat slit, so everyone will get a nice couple pancakes. Well, why put the butter on top though? Yeah, you put I butter did. on the pancakes before you pass them out. <laughs> it, it didn't make any sense, but I'd still like it. Like yeah. Paul stack. Yeah, there you go. So Carol and Daryl go into another room. It's maybe a classroom. I wasn't quite sure. It's dark, so it's hard to tell. She sits down on watch and takes another pill. She's aware of Daryl watching her, but he walks away without saying anything. We go back to Aaron, who has severely limited vision. He's searching for Negan. He manages to find his way into a cabin, kind of stumbling around, can't see what he's doing. Uh, but we see Negan sitting there in a chair, silently watching him. Yeah, being a total dick. Kind of being a dick, but we'll get, you know, we'll get to that, back to that later. Uh, back with Daryl and uh, Carol, he comes back and he tells her a story about his dad and how his dad was a truck driver. And one time he was driving at night and he saw a crying girl on the side of the road. And just as he's passing her, she steps out in front of his truck. But when he gets out, he couldn't find any trace of her. And the point is there was no girl. He was on a long haul truck, um, cross country trip or whatever. And he wasn't sleeping much and he hallucinated the girl. Sometimes you see things that aren't there. Daryl says. I had that happen to me. Really? Uh, yeah, I had it happen to me, and I've heard uh, my stepfather had it happen to him. Uh, it happened to me when I was in basic, well, it wasn't even basic training. It was before basic training in the reserves, and we were out doing uh, an exercise. We actually crossed the border into the U.S., and we're doing live fire uh, exercises with the, uh, with the howitzers, with the artillery, uh, in, the, in northern Michigan, in a range in northern Michigan. Like, apparently, they had a deal where we'd go across the border with weapons <laughs> and we do stuff. But anyway, um, it was the eighties. So, Things were different. It, no, it was the nineties, early nineties, but, oh, wow. uh, uh, I was up all night. I was up for at least 30 hours or something like that because I was doing various watches and, uh, running around. I was a stadia tech, which is, uh, you know, when they do surveying site surveying stuff and they have a guy with like a, a binocular thing on a tripod and then way in the distance is a guy holding a stick. Yep. I was the guy holding a stick and what they would do is they would, uh, we'd go out ahead of where the artillery was going, do some ranges and I don't know, they were doing math things. I was a dude holding a stick and they would figure out where the, uh, where the guns would go so that they could fire down the range. But I was doing that during the day, and then at night I ended up staying up mo- all night, not sleeping a wink, sitting in a you know a hole doing uh, watches and stuff, uh, expecting 
regular forces um, to come in and uh, perform an attack to train us, right? Just what it would be like to be attacked. But they never showed up. So we were all like freaked out and on edge all night expecting an actual mock attack on our position. So uh, that was stressful all night. And then probably the wee hours of the morning, the next morning, uh, the I was following along behind some... Uh, uh, the trucks that were pulling the howitzers, pulling the uh, the guns, and I saw what I swore was a guy crouching in the bushes, moving very slowly. And I yelled, "Halt!" and freeze and stand up, and got a whole bunch of other guys to, you know, converge on my position. And there was nobody there. Hmm. And they made fun of me for the rest of the day. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well I'm not surprised. And also, that's goes to show lack of sleep can do funny things with your brain. Oh yeah, and uh, we had uh, you, you know those old uh, I guess they still have them, but those uh, those gas stoves, uh, those camping stoves where they're um, you pump the gas into the into a pressure chamber and it, it uh, and then you light the stove. We yep. were trying to get warm with one of those things, and it was the middle of the night. And we were inside of a truck with a canopy on it, and there's a bunch of 19 year olds that weren't sleeping and cold, and uh, somebody was pumping that thing, and something came loose, and it was pumping like fuel all over the fucking place, and then they lit the thing, and the whole back of the truck started on fire. We had to throw the uh, the stove out the back of a truck. We're supposed to be, uh, uh, we're supposed to be quiet and not have any light leakage whatsoever, and then like, Middle of the night, these bunch of yahoos throw this thing out the back of a truck, and there's six feet tall flames. Uh, we got so much shit for that. That's why I was ended up being on watch all night because uh-huh. I was one of those 19 year old assholes, 17 year old. I was only 17 at the time. 17 year old assholes uh, trying to light a fire in the back of a truck with a canopy on it. Huh. You know, and, I, I I get the feeling you enjoy talking about this time of your life, and there's a whole podcast right here. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, hallucinations from lack of sleep. You betcha. <laughs> Definitely a thing. Yeah. Well, that's what this uh, story that Daryl tells Carol is all about. But Carol says she's not a meth snorting truck like truck driver like his dad. And then oh, she ca- she catches herself and apologizes for that crack. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he returns with, "No, you're right, but that doesn't mean that I'm wrong." Right. So take the point. Uh, Carol's alarm goes again and she takes another pill and then she throws the pills away because you know what? I don't need these anymore. Everything will be fine. So we have Aaron again. He's stumbling around some more in this cabin. Some zombies come up from outside and he ends up right up against a door with them on the other side. Uh, but they break in and of course Aaron can't see anything. So he's in big trouble. In this case, Negan saves him again with the crowbar. So he's holding on to this crowbar and then Negan identifies himself uh, to Aaron. Um, and this was a funny scene. They, I thought they did this really cool thing where Aaron's on the ground, he can't see who's there, and he keeps saying, Negan, Negan, like asking a couple of times. And then the music swells up while Negan hesitates responding and then suddenly stops. And Negan goes, you all right? And uh-huh. it was a, it was a, it was a, like I get what they were doing a little bit of tension there. And Negan's the kind of guy who might hesitate and just make Aaron, Aaron doubt himself for that second. Uh, I kind of liked it. It was, it was kind of cool. I thought. Yeah, it was kind of neat. So who's that? Who, whoever's idea that was, I applaud you. Smart. 
And then Negan tells Aaron that he got hogweed in his eyes and it causes blindness. But if he washed his eyes out, it probably won't be permanent. So that's good. And then he picks him up and puts him on a couch to rest. And Negan says, we'll leave first thing in the morning. Yeah. So uh, Don in Wisconsin writes, holy crap, it was just hogweed. I really thought we were going to have more confusion about the effects of Walker blood. Would it blind you by contact and not just by infection like with Father Gabe? Nope. Angela Kang doesn't bend the rules of the Walking Dead universe for a bit of drama like Gimple did. <laughs> well, two things. One, I thought he just got shit in his eye, right? Every once in a while you get crap in your eye and it, uh, it makes you blinky and you can't see anything. Yeah, but the, not that kind of vision loss, right? We got the view out of Aaron's eyes, and it was pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, you get crap in your eyes, right? But anyway, I didn't think it was zombie blood. I just, I, I didn't I didn't know what it was, but I didn't think, it never occurred to me that it was, uh, you know, zombie gore or zombie blood or right. something. I just thought he got shit in his eye, and he couldn't see for a while. See, I didn't know what it was. I was like, that's some pretty severe vision loss. So I, it, I didn't really think about it being zombie blood, but I did think something maybe got in there. Uh, but I also thought maybe he just bumped his head and he had a concussion or something. Right. And that's, yeah. and that's why he couldn't see. But, uh, but I agree with Don. I like this explanation. It's a real thing. It gets in your eyes. It affects your vision, but treated, it won't cause any permanent damage. Yeah. I mean, there's also the possibility, like Aaron's been up for a long time, right? When mm -hmm. everybody's tired, everybody's exhausted, shit happens when you're in, uh, you know, you're in extremely stressful situations and you're up all night and, or up for 30 hours or more. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's been known to happen where people just get, it's uh, it, what used to be referred to as, his, as hysterical blindness. Yes. Uh, where, uh, you know, people in combat would just all of a sudden not be able to see. I can't see. Your brain just freaks out and says, I'm not accepting input from your eyes right now. So yeah. fuck you. <laughs> and then until you calm down yep. and just, uh, you know, start gathering your wits together. I, you know, in retrospect, I think it could have been that, but they would have had to explain it from a psychological point of view. But now they just went with hogweed. And I don't know if hogweed is real. Is there a real thing? I assume it is. Yeah, it must be a real thing. They wouldn't make that it's up. itchy and causes blindness. Well, that's what Negan had on his arm too, right? Yes, but you know that just might be storytelling backstory, right? Mm. I don't know if somebody if somebody knows if hogweed is real and has these real effects. Let us know because I don't know if that's real. Well, I never questioned it. I assumed it was real. I don't see any reason to make that up. Um, but I guess you never know. Well, I mean, they're writers, right? That's what they do. They <laughs> write they shit. Do. That's true. You know, zombies aren't real either, but they got those in this story. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we go to Carol. She's still sitting there, but decides to go for a walk. And she's alone walking around this school now. She looks through a broken window into another room and she sees a zombie sitting against a wall kind of in exactly the same position she was just in with her legs bent up. And I'll, I got to tell you, man, this is where the episode starts to get a creep factor. Like this was some creepy shit we were watching here. I thought, yeah, we've, uh, we've definitely got some hallucinatory things going on here. Yeah. But I kind of knew that though. See, I, I had no idea. 
oh, she's taking pills, she's not sleeping, she's got a thing where she gets up every hour for some reason. We already saw her, saw her hallucinating the uh, the cover of that home ec book. We know at this point that she's seeing things. So my brain is telling me I question absolutely everything where she's the narrator of the story. Yeah, I I I get that, but I I was invested in this or something. I didn't put two and two together. I thought, yeah, she saw the book cover differently. Um, but it could have been, well, I mean, clearly it is what you were saying, right? But I didn't really think about it that way. I just thought it was her, you know, remembering, remembering back even to, uh, maybe not a better time because everyone had their throat slit, but. Yeah. I remember when I killed all those kids. Yeah. Those were good times. Caused all their deaths and made pancakes. Yeah. That was great. I wish they wrote a book about that and had that picture on the cover. (laughs) Right. But, but I don't know. I was still not thinking that there was anything hallucinatory going on here, but clearly there was um, because in the, in the very next scene or in this same scene, she turns to walk away, but suddenly then Henry is at the window calling to her. Uh, she turns and is almost stabbed by an unknown figure. Um, and as soon as you see Henry there, well, you know, she's seeing things and hallucinating things. So then it became pretty clear. Um, but suddenly she wakes up from her dream and she's still sitting in that original classroom. Right. So it's actually less of a hallucination and more of a dream, I think. Right. She, she actually fell asleep and had this nightmare. Yeah. It's a dream within a dream. You know, you wake up and then you wake up again and then you wake up again and then you wake up. It's, it's inception. It's inception. Yeah. Yeah. So Daryl comes back. He asks where she's been for half an hour and, she claims she heard something and that she's fine. And then she references the story about his dad, but he has no idea what she's talking about. Yeah. So that was fun. I thought we got a little bit of backstory with Daryl, but Carol just made the whole thing up. Made the whole thing up. Yeah. Then her alarm goes off. She reaches well, what, for her pills and she finds them in her pocket. So we also know that she never threw them away. So, but Daryl asked, where have you been? She said she heard a noise and she was scouting, right? Yeah. So she wasn't sleeping. This wasn't a dream. This was a hallucination. But she startles, it seems like she startled awake and she was still sitting there. But then Daryl asked, where have you been? Yeah. I, so maybe she just thinks that she, maybe her brain is telling her that instead of coming to, like, uh, that she woke up. Right. So maybe she was standing at the time. She just thought that she woke up, but in fact, she just became self-aware all of a sudden. Well, listen, what I love about all of this, and I really did love all of this, is that our conversation right now just hammers home the point that you don't really know what's going on. You have no idea what's real and what's not. And I think that was super effective in this episode, and especially in this scene. Yeah, it was really well done. You know, like we, we know that she made up the story about Daryl telling about his dad, uh, but we, it's hard to say whether she was actually up walking around or not, what, what she's, whether anything she saw is real or if it was all just in her mind. Um, I thought it was really great. And, and now from this point on you, as the viewer, you start to question, well, what are we seeing here? What is real and what's not? And I thought it was so well done. Um, that, and, and not only that, but it was just super creepy. Like I said, it was, it was one of the best sequences I think I've seen on this show in a long time. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, certainly for 
portraying someone's mental state anyways, right? Yeah. And then she checks her gun, right? And there's one bullet left. So we know that uh, she fired once at, because uh, she had three bullets when she pulled the gun out from under her bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she fired once at Alpha, and then the second time with those three um, whispers that were in the woods. In the which woods? we're now questioning whether or not they're real. Right. Yeah. I mean, Mich- it, the, the amazing part is Michonne questioned her early in the episode, but you don't even think twice about it. You just think, oh, maybe, you know, it's Michonne asking a valid question. But now we get all this and you're like, you project back and you're like, oh my God, what is going on with Carol? Did she see them or not? Yeah. It's, it's so well done. Yeah. Uh, you're right. She checks her pistol. She's got one more bullet. And then a figure passes by a nearby frosted window and she goes off to follow it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, or does she? Who knows? <laughs> but Carol comes into a bigger open room. It's maybe a school cafeteria or gym. No, this is a gymnasium because there's, uh, there's, this is an old school. I remember schools like this when I was uh, younger in the Sioux and went to smaller schools where they didn't have uh, a lot of money for facilities. Right. And they had, their gym floors were tiled. They weren't like regular gym floors. Oh, weird. They were, They'd, so this was a tiled gym in an old small school. And so I, I don't think that this was uh, a manufactured location. I thought it was a found location. It felt like a found location to me. Yeah. Like a, an actual, an actual place. Yeah. Right. So it was a gymnasium that she went into. Okay. So she goes into this gym. She sees a whisperer standing there in the dark. Also super creepy, but we don't know what's real and what's not. Yep. She walks towards it, she towards it, and she steps into one of those what I call a foot noose trap. Yeah, where yeah. it it she her foot goes in it, it tightens around her ankle, and then she's hoisted upside down by her leg. So she um walked perfectly into the middle of this foot noose, this yep. this, uh, this trap, and uh, somehow triggered to go off. Yes. So uh, unknown, for, by uh, maybe the uh, the whisperer that was there had a remote control, uh, or you know pulled a cord or something. You know, like those those. Yes. You're trying to catch a rabbit and you put up a a, a pail and with a stick under it and you yeah. have a string on it and you go you yank it out and you can catch a rabbit or a turtle or a three year old or whatever. <laughs> Various things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I was wondering. Like it seemed all a little too convenient that uh, someone w- would be able to A, set up this trap because uh, you'd have to hoist enough weight up to haul a person off uh, off the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is a couple hundred pounds. So you have to set this trap up completely silently, only using the tools at hand. Uh, you know, how long ago did they set this trap? So I'm wondering whether or not this trap is real. Exactly. You don't know. And that's what's so great about it. Yeah, it it could be just Carol kind of imagining all this, right? I believe she's in that room now, but whether she was upside down in that trap, I don't know, uh, because it does seem a little implausible. However, it's the kind of thing you've seen before, and yeah. in theory, I think could could be a thing. Yeah, I thought it was really neat. I, I know it was very simple, but the uh, her perspective when she was upside down, we saw the gym from an upside down perspective, and all yep. the balls were hanging off the ceiling. I thought it was uh, it was pretty effective. It was really good. 
Even though um, it was obvious, but still kind whatever. of fun. It was cool. Um, so the whisperer that was there approaches her. Carol starts swiping at her with the knife, but doesn't make any contact. And then a whole bunch of other zombies come in and this whisperer sort of blends into the pack. Uh, Carol takes one more shot, but hits nothing that we can see. And she starts screaming for Daryl's help. She stabs at some zombies as they get close. Uh, she manages to cut herself down, fights off more zombies. And suddenly the alarm goes off. And we cut to her standing amongst all the dead bodies. So it's almost like she has some lost time there, right? She was, she wandered into this room, went on a killing spree and all of a sudden snaps out of it. She's standing amongst all these bodies. Mm -hmm. And then Daryl Michonne and everybody come back in um, and they find her standing here this way before we go to a commercial break. Cool. When we come back, they've brought Carol back to Alexandria and Sadiq is there to treat a bad cut on her arm. He sends them all out of the operating room, I guess, whatever it is. Uh, but it turns out he's too shaken up to treat her because, as we know, he's suffering some some PTSD. Uh, we see Sadiq has some more flashbacks to Alpha killing everybody in the barn from last season. And Dr. Dante recognizes he's struggling, so he takes over the, the operation, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside, Michonne and Daryl and the others wait. The doctors, both of them come out and tell them that Carol's all all okay, although Sadiq can't seem to get the words out, so Dr. Dante has to deliver the news in this case. Sadiq's a mess. You'd think they'd recognize that by now, that, uh, dude, this guy needs to relax and not be in a position of being able to cause any more harm while doing doctoring stuff. Or he, taking care of a baby. He is a mess right now. That's it. And there's, a, I think they address this in a, in a minute, but uh, no, he, he needs some time off, it seems like, and maybe some counseling. Yeah, he needs time away from responsibilities where he could kill a person. Well, exactly, exactly. Um, Aaron, we quickly get an update on them. He's waking up now with Negan. It's the morning and his vision has returned. So hooray, yeah. no permanent vision loss. Well, maybe it was hysterical blindness because he fell asleep. He got some sleep finally and he woke up and he could see just fine. Okay. So maybe it was hysterical. You never know. Yeah. Uh, morning at Alexandria now, Rosita and Eugene back in their house. Well, before that, we get a shot, an establishing shot of someone standing uh, on guard with a spear. Ah, uh, yes. Which reminded me of Star Wars. Did it remind you of Star Wars? It did not. Not even enough not. to that, mention that's... the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Where that, you know, you know the scene I'm talking about, right? Uh, in the beginning of Star Wars, they're on the planet just before attacking the Death Star. Am I spoiling 1977? I think maybe? it's okay. All right. But, uh, so just before when, the, when all the ships start taking off, all the X-Wings and A-Wings and Y-Wings and stuff, and they're about to start their assault on the Death Star that's going to blow up their rebel base. There's a guy sitting in, uh, standing in this little crow's nest thing, keeping an eye out. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can picture the scene, I think. Yeah. Anyway. That's Star what, Wars. That's what we have here. Another Star yeah. Wars connection. Yeah. All right. Well, after the Star Wars connection, we are with Rosita and Eugene back in their house. He asks about Coco and says he went out to protect Rosita because, you know, she's Coco's mother. And she tells him rather sternly that the two of them will never happen as a couple. And he ends up admitting that his entire reason for being her friend is that he thought it would lead to something more. And now he sees that he's always felt this way and that it's made him a bad friend. Yeah. Um, 
I sort of felt a little bit like he turned her rejection around on himself, though. You know, he, he's... How he, so? Well, I don't know. She she rejects him pretty straight up, outright. And and then he's like, oh, I felt this way so long, that makes me a terrible person. <laughs> I'm not saying that she's <laughs> terrible for rejecting him. That's just the way she feels. But it almost felt like he's he, he made it... Uh, he was looking for sympathy, you know? Yeah. You know, some people see the world as everything is about them. Like, even when something, somebody does something, it's always, uh, they always talk about their perspective. Yeah. I mean, that's not uncommon. Uh, and no. maybe that's just what he was doing here. Um, but I did think it was funny when he said he wanted his position rezoned into Lovetown. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we'll never be a couple. <laughs> you don't know how to talk. You say things like that. Right. <laughs> and she, and he finally comes to terms with it, right? He, uh. He he finally says, oh, you don't want to be a couple. Yeah. I get it now. In his own wacky way. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, it's like, you know, no means no, first of all. Uh, and, you know, it's just, he kept, he kept hearing no, but uh, uh, she kept saying no, but he never heard no. He kept hearing maybe later, maybe later. Yeah. Maybe later. Yeah. So it's just, it's, 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 it's hard. Right, because you just you you have to you have to come to terms with this stuff every once in a while. He he finally, after all of this exhaustion, he believes her because it's the same thing as being drunk. Did I get that? Am I remembering that right? Well, the, he uses the expression. Uh, well, I forget what it is now, but yes, if you're drunk, your true feelings come out, right? And I think he, what he was saying in sort of this stressful situation, like the true feelings have come out, right? Because she says. Right. I'm exhausted or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, it reminded me of picking up Jasper from daycare a couple of weeks ago and he's like, and he, he was all the way, all the way home. He's toddlers are a lot like drunk people. <laughs> so uh, all the way home, I'm telling him, uh, he's like, is mommy at home? No, mommy's not at home. She's not, she's not home from work yet. She went out, she's doing something. She'll be home a little bit later. Like, oh, well, she'll be at home, right? No, she's not going to be at home. I'm sorry, Jasper. She won't be home. Uh, and then we're pulling into the driveway. He's like, oh, I can't wait to see mommy. She's home. It's like, no, Jasper, she's not home. She's at work still. She'll be home a little bit later. And then we open the door and he comes in. He goes, mommy. I said, mommy's not home. She's not here. She's at work. She'll be home later. And then he goes, oh, I get it. Mommy's not home. <laughs> oh, yeah. And That's what I I've been saying for the last 20 minutes. Boy, in like a half an hour, we were just talking about how smart he is. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, he, evidence, uh, defeats doubt, right? So, you know, I can tell him till, till I'm blue in the face. Uh, but once he sees that she's not home, it's like, oh, I get it. She's not home. Right. Well, finally, um, Eugene has had this realization and he gets up. He will never be rezoned into love town. So he leaves and he goes outside and he kind of passes Sadiq who is sitting there looking morose by himself and Michonne comes over to him and they talk about being parents and how they're both real overtired. And she clearly recognizes that he's struggling with something. Um, so this is what I mean. I, I do think he may be about to get a little bit of time off to try to deal with his shit a bit. Um, yeah. And then Dr. Dante comes out with a couple of drinks and he sits down with him and he tells him a story of when he was a field medic in Iraq 
And the story is basically about how trauma changes a person, right? He said he he knew a big Adonis-looking cat who never broke until he did, and he lost his squad and blamed himself, and he was a total mess, right? And then Sadiq asks what happened to him, and it turns out Dante's story was about himself, <laughs> which lightens the whole mood a little bit because Sadiq calls him out by saying, so he was this big Adonis-looking cat? And they have a good laugh about it. So that's how I would tell the story. Of course. Make it yeah. not about you until it is about you. <laughs> yeah. It's a third person. It's about, you know, told from a third person perspective about a very good looking man. Totally. I don't see anything wrong with that. Yep. Um, so hopefully Sadiq is going to be okay. Uh, we go to Carol. She wakes up in the house. She seems to be feeling right as rain. She just looks great. She goes downstairs. Daryl's there making breakfast. She sits down to eat. She realizes they have no jam. So she's got to go to the store to buy some. So Daryl pulls out his wallet, gives her some money. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, cash, what? Yeah. What's, what's going on here? Um, but they, they continue with it for a second. She get takes the money. She pauses. She wonders if the store is open and looks at her watch and dun, 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 no hands on the watch. Yeah. Just like the clock they saw in the uh, school. And then suddenly Henry is there asking where she's going. So, you know, <laughs> this is still Carol having a dream. In this case, I think it is a dream because she suddenly wakes up for real in bed upstairs and she has no pills left which she checks so she goes downstairs much slower with uh, a lot less spring in her step and this time michonne is there and carol tells her that she uh shouldn't have stopped her from killing alpha um and that uh carol says you know um you did see uh, i did see whispers in the forest and michonne agrees that she did but thinks that only Carol saw them. Yep. So she's, she's kind of acknowledging her, you know, issues right now, but at the same time saying they're issues and you probably need to, need to, um, again, take a break and get some rest and try to get yourself refocused. So Michonne goes back up to Judith in her room. This is a very similar scene to the one we had near the beginning of the episode. And now this time she tells her it's safe and they can uh, go to sleep. So they both lie down together in bed with RJ and um, uh, Judith closes her eyes, hopefully to get some rest. Finally. Finally. Outside, Carol finds Daryl and she tells him that Michonne doesn't believe her and... Daryl reassures her that he does believe her. And he's smoking. He is, but we've seen him smoke before. Yeah. I just, where is he getting his, whatever he's smoking? Ah, he's probably rolling his own. Who knows? I don't know. But uh, it's been a while since we've seen him smoking, but he does break one out once in a while. Does that mean they're growing tobacco somewhere? Maybe. In this? Okay. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Now, final scene of the episode, camera cuts back to the school um, gymnasium It's sort of following a trail of blood and dead walkers, and then it transitions outside, still following the trail along a sidewalk, and then to a dirt ground. Uh, We slowly pan up a body, stopping on its face, and it is a whisperer wearing a mask. Eyes are closed. The sound crescendos up a little bit. The whisperer suddenly opens its eyes, which are milky and opaque, 
So now we have an actual zombie wearing a Whisperer mask. And I didn't notice this the first time I watched through, but on the second time, as we pass up this Whisperer's body, there's a single gunshot wound in the chest. So Carol, or maybe in the abdomen, but the point is Carol really did see those Whisperers in the forest and hit one with her last, with her bullet, with her shot. Well, since they, uh, it was in the school, right? So she fired a shot in the gymnasium. She did, but she fired a shot in the forest too. And this particular body was on a dirt ground, not in gymnasium. But they followed the blood trail from the gymnasium. Well, blood trail. uh, So, okay. So you're saying that the whisperer got shot in the gym and then wandered outside and then died? Yes. Okay. Either way. Well, no. Be, so, because, see, I think this means that the ones in the forest, I think they were telling us that the ones in the forest were real and Carol wasn't actually hallucinating. They are, but they're also telling us that the ones in the gymnasium were real and she wasn't hallucinating. But see, I'm not sure there was ever any question about that because everyone came and found her there. So Michonne well, and There's a bunch of bodies, right? Not yeah. necess- there's a bunch of zombies, but not necessarily any whispers, right? Yeah, I guess so, but... I understand. I think, I mean, we're saying the same thing here. To me, it just made more sense that they, they, they actually really questioned Carol about what she saw in the forest, not what she saw in the gymnasium. Yeah. And, and then even when, um, in the kitchen right at the end there, when Michonne says, you know, I believe you saw them, but only you saw them. I feel like that was a callback to the forest scene. And so it all points to the forest. And so I felt like the one that she killed was in the forest, but at the end of the day, the point is the same. Carol's not really yeah. hallucinating that much. I, I agree with the the last scene where the zombie wakes up with the whisperer mask is there's dirt and leaves and it looks like it's outside. But this whole final scene starts from the gymnasium following a blood trail. It does, so that, yeah. So that, that, yeah, either way, you're absolutely right. Uh, we uh, Carol was not hallucinating. There was real live whispers, uh, in the area and Carol hit one and killed it. Her killed her. Uh-huh. Uh, and now we have a, uh, a zombie, uh, masked as a whisperer pretending to be a zombie. Correct. Right. So our friend of the show, Adam in Texas wrote, we got our first whisper walker or would he just be a too deep walker? Either way. Great episode. <laughs> yeah. In inception walker. So, Talk to me, Jason. How, yeah. What do you feel like this means for going forward now that we, we have, well, I guess we have one walker, true walker, wearing a whisperer mask? Does it mean anything? Well, it could. I assume that since it's the uh, the snake in the mailbox shot at the end of the episode, that yes, it will mean something, right? Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with that. My only thought is it's only one. It's not like yeah, we've got but a- I can't. I can't imagine how this could impact the uh, the plot of the show. That the the whisperer right. who, or sorry, this walker that it has a whisperer mask on is outside of the whisperer territory, so it would have to wander into the whisperer, uh, board across the border into the group of whispers end up in a herd that is being controlled by whisperers, and then the whisperers would then all go back to their encampment, or somebody would go back to their encampment, or 
this walker would end up in the encampment, everybody would assume that it's a whisperer pretending to be a zombie when in fact it's an actual zombie and then bite somebody like beta. Right. I guess so. Um, but that seems kind of unlikely. There's a large, long chain of events that have to happen in order for that to be relevant. And yeah, that's hard to buy into at this point. And, and I also feel like for it to have any direct impact on, you know, the other characters, the sort of main hero characters, there, there would have to be a long chain of events there too, right? Yeah. I mean, what would happen is somehow they'd encounter this um, walker wearing a whisperer mask, assume it's a whisperer, and, um, well, I don't know what happens after that. Like, if they assume it's a whisperer and they kill it, well, they've killed it anyways. And if they run away from it, then they've run away from it anyways. So you're right. It seems like it would have a greater impact if it somehow made its way back into the whisperer camp. But yeah, I, I, I just don't see that happening now. If there were all kinds of these whisperer walkers, that would just be confusing for everybody and could have a bigger impact. But as far as we know, there's just the one for now. Yeah. I mean, it could have a political impact where, uh, <laughs> maybe they kill it. Uh, you know, our group of yeah. intrepid heroes, uh, find it, recognize it to be a zombie, kill it, uh, in sight of the whisperers who assumed they killed a whisperer, and that starts a political issue. That sounds like the most likely scenario to me right now. Yeah. Right? That, that also requires a lot of setup, right? This would have to walk, they'd have to, it'd have to be killed right uh, where somebody could see it. Yeah, but I feel like that's- and then, Likely. I feel like that's pretty likely. You think so? Well, more so than any other scenario. And, um, you know, as you said, it's the snake in the mailbox. It's a big surprise at the end. And they don't do that kind of thing just for fun, right? It's going to factor in somehow. You gotta believe. Yeah, or it won't be a big deal at all. Like, <laughs> it, it will probably show up at some point and somebody kill it, kills it and goes, oh, that's interesting. That is a whisperer that was on this side of the border. And now we have proof. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that, you know, it just might be not even like, it, it not even really uh, a potential conflict between the Whisperers and our group. Maybe it's just confirmation that Carol's not hallucinating. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Anyways, man, I thought this was a fantastic episode. I really liked it. It's my favorite of the three so far in season 10. And I liked one and two as well. So friggin' season 10 and it's just continuing on the awesomeness that was all of most of season nine. So well done everybody. I thought it was great. It was fun to watch. It was creepy. Uh, there was some great killing. I thought all the Negan and Aaron stuff was really good and just not being able to trust what you're seeing on screen is a really good way of creating excitement and tension and they just did a, such a fantastic job with that in this episode melissa mcbride is amazing of course um so i i really almost have sort of nothing bad to say about this one i thought it was great yeah it was pretty fun <laughs> it was great it was pretty fun <laughs> uh so good job walking dead and everybody involved uh okay Real quick, Jason, before we end, I just want to thank some people, or in this case, just one more person who has decided 
to support the podcast, and that is Ashley P., who recently became a new patron on Patreon. So thank you very much, Ashley P., for supporting the show. If that's something you would like to do, uh, I highly recommend it. You can do that at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, where you can become a patron, and that just means you basically have a low monthly subscription um, to supporting the show. Uh, it's a great way, easy way to help out. Uh, we appreciate everyone that does so. But if that's not your thing, you can also make a quick one-time donation at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal, and all the money collected just goes into uh, all the fees and the costs and everything associated with putting on the show. Um, so we we really do love everyone who supports us. We appreciate it so, so much. So thank you to all of you for doing that. And thanks to everyone, of course, for listening. If you just want to help get word out about the show, leave us reviews on iTunes or whatever other platforms you get your podcasts on. Um, and by iTunes, I mean Apple Podcasts, as it's called now. So sorry for the confusion. Um, but reviews there is great. Star ratings is great. Every little bit helps. And uh, of course, now these days when we're really in the middle of things and uh, The Walking Dead is on TV, people are paying attention. So the more kind of signal amplification we can get, the better. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much to everybody. Uh, next week... Um, well, you know what? I'll talk about next week's episode of The Walking Dead after we do our feedback. Our next podcast will be our feedback episode, which unfortunately this week will be coming on Friday night, not Thursday. I have a prior commitment Thursday evening, so you have an extra day to write some feedback and get it to us uh, for me to consider for the uh, feedback show on Friday night. If you want to be a part of that, the best way to do it is go to our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com, click on send voicemail at the top, and you can record a message with your with your thoughts to us. I almost said shots, with your shots to us, <laughs> not shots, thoughts. Um, or, you know, record something into your phone and email it to us. That is a great way to do it as well. Uh, and you can send those emails whether they're audio files or just emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash the talking dead, where I try to take some feedback from as well uh, when I can. So those are all the ways to get in touch. And we will be back on Friday night when we consolidate all that stuff as much as we can and read it here. Cool. All right. Thanks so much, everyone. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.